We're going to talk about oaths tonight. Tonight, not oath, oaths, not ogres or oaths, but oaths tonight. And you can open up your Bible to uh, Matthew chapter five. Um, it seems like a little anticlimactic after you know last week of talking about. Uh, murder and adultery and losing limbs and plucking eyeballs out and those kinds of things. But tonight's on character, on character. In the world that we live in today, they, um, people take vows and take oaths. And I'm just going to use the word oath for the most part. I'll use vows. I'll talk about vows in just a second. Uh, but we see different people who, who contract sports, marriage, business, purchases that we have contracts. These are promises that we make and the list goes on. And uh, we can see sometimes that there's loopholes in those. You can see a, a baseball player is able to get out of his contract. There's loopholes to so those kind of things. And uh, what I want to talk about tonight, that you know, your word be the truth. And uh, that when we say something, that we do it. I, I, as I was studying this, I, I remembered, if you ever watched uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, uh, Willy Wonka and the, Charlie and, the, and the Chocolate Factory, when they go in, when the, the five kids go in and they have to sign the contract, and it starts out really big, and then it goes all the way down. You get down to the very bottom. It's just all these fine words. And uh, there was one father, I think, who was a lawyer or businessman. He says, what's it say? He goes, it really doesn't matter. Just go ahead and sign it. And um, we have to be careful of those times. So let me share a story with you of, of how... My word was taken one time. I had just graduated Bible college down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and uh, I'd gotten an apartment and needed some furniture. And so I went to a furniture store. It was about three blocks from where I lived. And um, I went in there, and I picked out what I wanted, and I, they had a, a charge that it was interest-free. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll do that instead of putting it on a charge card and, you know, having interest. And so I started filling out the, um, the form for that, and they said, you need to have a co-signer. And thankfully, my parents were down visiting at that time. And um, so I said, well, I'll just have my dad you know, be the co-signer. And they looked at it, and they said, well, where does he live? And they said, uh, in Illinois. And they said, he cannot be a co-signer. It has to be somebody who lives in Louisiana, which I thought was odd. And so my dad got a little upset and started arguing with the person. I told him to just back down. I said, let me take care of this. And um, so the manager came out at that time, and he was asking what's going on. And I said, well, I said, I'm trying to get some furniture. I said, I was, you know, just going to get um, your charge, and, um, but they won't let my dad co-sign. And I said, he lives in Illinois. And he goes, yeah, that's our, our policy. And I asked him, I said, so what, what's your terms? And he said, we either have three, three months or six months. I said, I know you don't know me. I said, I'm a pastor at Family Worship Center. I said, my apartment is right up there. I said, you could see it from the store. And uh, I said, I know that you don't trust everybody who comes in here, but I'm asking you to take a chance on me. I said, I'll take three months. I'll be in here every two weeks. When I get paid, I'll make a payment, and I'll have it done in three months. The manager said, he told the salesperson, he goes, just go ahead and put my name on the contract as the co-signer. So two months later, I come in, and I make my last payment, and I have it all paid off, and I saw the manager, and I asked the manager, I said, so I, I have everything paid off. I said, I've done what I'm supposed to do, and I've fulfilled my side, and I said, um, can I purchase more furniture if I want? And he looked at me, he says, anything in the store is yours. 
there's any question, just tell them to put my name on the contract. He took my word, and, and uh, so never did go back in there. I didn't need any more furniture, but uh, it was just nice to know that somebody trusted me. So in Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37, it says, And again you have heard that the ancients were told, You shall not make false vows, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oaths at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one white hair or black. But let your statement be, yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would just help us in the next few minutes to see. Father, it's all about character. That we would be true to you. We'd be true to those that we speak to. And then, Father, that others would know us by our character, by what we say, by what we don't say. And I pray that you would just help us, that we can be an example in our community, at work, wherever we happen to be, in church, at home, in our neighborhood, that, Father, that you would help us. Sometimes, even when we struggle to tell the truth, that we would tell the truth. And I pray that you would just bless us tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, number one, again, you have heard that the ancients were told. I'm not going to go into that. The last two weeks, Pastor Mark and Ryan have talked about that. But this was things that they were told, and uh, uh, Jesus was uh, talking to them about that, that they have heard these things, and it wasn't necessarily the way that God wanted it, didn't wanted it for them. And it's easy so many times for us to take things and to turn them just a little bit to, to satisfy us. And the Pharisees, this is one of the things that the Pharisees were doing. So they were telling them, you know, listen, it's okay to do these oaths, but we see that Jesus has a different plan for them. This is something that they heard. Most of them weren't educated, didn't go to school. They learned it. And so as Jesus is talking to them, he's telling them really what God wants for them. And he says, you shall not make false vows, but you shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. Now, a vow is a promise that is made generally related to God. I looked it up, and I looked it up in the, in the Greek, and it said it does have a connotation of relating to God whenever we make a vow. And whenever you make a vow, then God is the one who's listening. So he is in this conversation because he hears everything that we say. This includes also the third commandment where he says, Do not swear falsely by my name, and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. And so Jesus is taking a little bit of this from the third commandment, that we shall not take the Lord thy God's name in vain. So let me give you a definition tonight, and hopefully you'll hang on to this one. It's for character. It's one of the attributes or features that make up or distinguish an individual. It's one of the attributes or features that make up and distinguish an individual. Now, if we said, uh, if, I, if I use the word Donald Trump, what's one of the first things that you would think about? His hair. Woo! Right? That's just a characteristic of Donald Trump. 
You know, if I, if I say somebody else or, you know, if I say uh, Robert Pujols, you'd think baseball. You'd think, you know, he's a, a great slugger. That's just one of the characteristics of him. So there's lots of things that make us up, and, and there's lots of times that people see us. It could be physical. It could be uh, something even spiritually. One of the people that we miss dearly is Luther and Doris Miller. And one of the characteristics of Luther that I heard over and over again was he's, he was just such a godly man. That's one of the characteristics of him. And we have to look at the character, characteristics that we have in our lives. What does your character say about you? And what do others say about your character? But the most important question, what does God say about your character? What does God say about your character? Number two, Jesus says, but I say to you, make no oath at all. Now this one I really had to work at. It says an oath is a promise with condition. An oath is a promise with condition. So if I make a promise that I will come over to Don's house and I'll help him move some furniture around or whatever it happens to be, then I'm going to be there and I'm going to clean the, or help him move furniture. If I make a promise that I'm going to buy some furniture and if I don't pay them, they're going to come and get it. They're going to come and get it. If you buy a car and you don't make payments, it's funny. You know, they have a way. Giving you a phone call and just reminding you really nicely. Hey, you owe us some money. Yes. There are conditions to those. Webster's reads a solemn, usually formal calling upon God or God to witness the truth of what one says or to witness that one sincerely intends to do what one says. And you, you heard the part about God in there. Let me read it again. Webster's for an oath, the definition says, a solemn, usually formal calling upon God or a God to witness to the truth of what one says or to witness that one sincerely intends to do what one says. So sometimes we'll bring somebody else into a conversation. We're going to make a, a pact together. We want somebody else to hear it. Every once in a while we do that in our offices. There's times when we want to meet with somebody and we want somebody else there just to hear what is said so that we have confirmation in that. <clears throat> Sometimes we can see that whenever, <clears throat> excuse me, in the war, that uh, uh, sometimes a guy will say, listen, God, if you get me out of this, I will serve you the rest of my life. He's made an oath to God. Maybe you've done the exact same thing. You've made a promise to God, and hopefully you have fulfilled that. So what does he mean here, that we shouldn't take an oath? There were some who were making false oaths, and they were taking an oath, and, and that was the kind of the practice of the Pharisees, is that they were saying things, and then they were saying, you know, well, but I swear on Jerusalem, or I swear on heaven, or I swear on whatever it happens to be, as we can see in this scripture. They were making those oaths. But the thing was, is most times what they were saying wasn't true or they weren't going to follow through with it. And so it's easy if you just go up and say, listen, hey, I'll be there at 5 o'clock and you never show up. That becomes your character. Now, don't, don't get on to me, but if you're always late, that's your character. 
Remember those people that, you know, we always say, we're going to start at 8 o'clock, but don't tell Billy, but we're going to tell him 8 or uh, 7.45 because he's always late because he doesn't keep his word that I'll be there. Jesus was speaking to those who were misusing oaths to help their own cause and to improve their way. And the Pharisees were notorious for their oaths, which they made by swearing by heaven or Jerusalem or their own head, and yet there's no accountability. There's no accountability in that. It was a way for them to get out of it. The point is that if you are telling the truth, you don't need to make an oath. That's the point that Jesus is telling them, that you don't have to make oaths. And the thing is, is we shouldn't because our character, because of what we say. Our words should speak for us, and when they do, then we should be telling the truth. And I, asked, I taught in the starting point this past uh, Sunday, and I asked the question. I was really surprised at, at how many. There was eight people in there, and we, I was kind of going through the Romans Road, and I said, well, how many of you have ever lied in your life? So let me ask this question. How many of you have ever lied in your life? Raise your hand. And the rest of you didn't have just lied. So, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think we all do at some time or another. That's just, it, it's because of the sinful nature that we have inside of us. That at some time or another, we just don't want to tell the truth. We got caught doing something or whatever it happens to be. When I was growing up and I got caught doing something, it always seemed like my mom always knew when I was doing things wrong. I don't know how or why, but she served a God who watched everything, I guess. And, I, and, and sometimes I would have to sit down with her and she goes, we're going to talk about this. And I would ask, can I just get a spanking by dad? That was so much quicker. So much more painless, it really was. And I have to sit down with my, my mom and talk about what I had done wrong. And, you know, yes, I, I lied about this. So why did you lie? And go, oh my, 45 minutes later. It would have been so much easier to get the 30-second spanking from my dad and, you know, not sit down for a half an hour. My mom had a way of bringing that and the truth out. The point is, is if you're telling the truth, that you don't need to make a vow. But since others didn't believe them, they would swear on heaven, Jerusalem, their head, and people would then take their word for it. But they really didn't mean it or it really didn't mean anything. Ever hear somebody say, I swear, that is the truth? Yeah, I've heard people say that. I swear, that, that is the truth. Sometimes you have to watch if they say that, it's not the truth. Or somebody says, I, I, you know, I swear on my mother's grave or my firstborn child. What are they really saying? There's a condition that comes with it that if they're not telling the truth, then you get their mother's grave or you get their firstborn. I don't want that. I want a grave or another, chi another child. That's the way sometimes people are. Or remember this when you were a kid? Listen, tonight after service, I'm going to take you all out to Dairy Queen and we're going to get ice cream. You ready? What, you don't believe me? Come on, I had my fingers crossed. <laughs> yes, we used to do that when we were kids. 
I know some of you are going to come up and ask me, when we, what time are we leaving and where are we going? <laughs> I had my fingers crossed. Yeah. Or we pinky swear. All these different things to say that we've made a commitment to somebody about what we've said. And it should be that our word is our word. And then that's the truth. Jesus kept dealing with the character of the person. And if you look at this, in the previous verses that he's talked about in the last couple of weeks, you can see that he's talked about murder. And he says, you know, uh, about murder, that thou shalt not murder. But if you call your brother a name, then it's the same, similar. And he talks about adultery. He says, but if you even look on a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. So the same thing is true in, in these scriptures. He is saying, that these are the words that you're speaking, but I'm asking you to go a little bit higher than that. This is the standard of the world that we live in, but God wants us to come up to this standard. And if we live up here, then people will see that. If we're living in the standard that everybody else is in, then lots of times we don't take somebody's word. It's kind of like when November comes around every four years. We hear a lot of promises, don't we, from politicians. And then we, we don't see a whole lot then in December and the next four years that are after that. It's hard for us sometimes to believe. It's hard for us sometimes to, to, to understand that people, it's a struggle to take them at their word. Thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, and he's telling them, thou shalt not take an oath. Let your word be your word in that. God's standard is higher than our standard. And one day we will stand before him and we will give an account of those things. God hasn't called us just to be average or to fit in. He's called us to be an example, to be Christ-like. That's what Christian means, to be Christ-like. And when we are Christ-like, then others will see that. We'll see that. He's called us to a higher calling. Our words and our actions should be those that are of a testimony of a changed life. Now, when we're kids, I know it's hard, and, and kids will, will be kids. And, you know, they get around other kids, and sometimes that's where they learn things. It's interesting, I have a 15-year-old uh, in the house, and we were even, uh, tonight as we were driving home, I was talking to him about school and things that were happening. And, and uh, my son, uh, one thing I've learned about my son, he is one of the most honest people that I know. He will tell on himself. When he, and he's gotten in trouble. In fact, just recently he'd gotten in trouble about something. And, and he came to us. We didn't even know anything about it. And uh, he came to us and he said, this is what I did. And so... Uh, we talked about it, you know, with him and everything else and talked about him afterwards, you know, about it. And um, my daughter has done the same thing, that they know the truth and they want to speak the truth. And it's hard because sometimes in the world that we live in, it's so much easier just to, to take the out. You know, when somebody comes to you and says, you know, um, like when you were in school, did you do the homework? Yes. When you really didn't do the homework. Did you, you know, get your project finished? Yes. When you haven't even started the project. When people are cutting up and everything, it's hard for us to do those things. 
sometimes the easy way out. But sometime along the way, we have to change. I dealt with a uh, young man who was a compulsive liar when I was in Baton Rouge. And um, <clears throat> he was m my boss's son. And uh, one of the things that I found out was that he started, he started to believe himself. I was like, why does he, he and he just, he would lie a lot. And he kind of jokingly would do it. But it, he didn't ever tell the, well, he, he didn't, I didn't say didn't ever. There was lots of times he didn't tell the truth. And so I was like, why is this happening? And the thing was, I think it kind of had spiraled, spiraled out of control in that he started to believe the lies that he was telling. And that's when it really hit me, you know, about him that he needed to get that taken care of and really to, to seek some help for that. God has called us to a higher calling. Our words and our actions should be that of a testimony that others can see inside of us. We shouldn't live like the rest of men who have no hope. Those who are lost, who don't have Jesus Christ in their lives, we should live as people who are above all of that, that others can see it inside of us, that people can see that there's a difference in us. So let me tell a little story. <laughs> this happened just a little bit ago. We had somebody who was doing, our neighbor who has a construction company, and we just had a little project, and I, I really didn't want to do it, and I'm thankful I didn't do it. And so he came over while we were eating dinner, and he was just finishing up. This was the, the last time he was going to be there, and the last couple of days. Came in for about 15, 20 minutes. And so uh, I said, did you bring the bill for us to pay? And um, he said, no. And he goes, I'm sorry. And so he told us what it was, and 135.17. And so my wife says, can I just write it out? I'll just write it out for 136. So she did gave it to him so on the way to church tonight i asked her i said did he say that it was a hundred and thirty seven fifteen and she goes what she goes i wrote it out for 136 was it 137 15 she goes oh no she was almost wanted me to drive her, the car around because he didn't have the bill and uh, turn the car around go back home and knock on his door and ask him we were pulling into the church she goes, thank you very much. Now I'm going to worry about that. She, she grabs my phone. She's looking for his number in my phone. I said, I don't have his number in my phone. Why not? I haven't put it in there. And I didn't do it on purpose, but I, I just couldn't remember. So I learned a lesson. Don't talk to my, my wife a whole lot on the way to church. Because now she's going to question everything that I do, everything that I say. We are new creatures created in the grace that God has given unto us. That means that we should be people of our word. So let's get into the oaths tonight. Uh, you should not swear falsely or make an oath that you can't keep. We've heard people say that I swear to God that is the truth. Please take that the right way. I don't mean in a blasphemous way. We've heard people say that. When that, is, when that is said, then God is the verifier of the truth. What they're doing is they're bringing that third person in. I swear to God. Okay, you've just brought God into that 
that promise, that oath, that vow that you just made. So if it's not true, you have to answer to God. You have to answer to God. When somebody says, I swear to God, they've just brought him in. Another reason why the Pharisees didn't swear to God or make a vow to God, because then they didn't have to put God to the test. They didn't have to answer to God. If I say, then I swear by heaven or Jerusalem or Springfield, I don't have to answer those things. If I say I swear to God, then I have to answer to that one day when I stand before him. And that's why they made those statements, and that's why Jesus was questioning them and challenging on them that they shouldn't do those kinds of things. It was putting their word to the test by God. So let's look at the Old Testament, a couple examples. Between Abraham and Abimelech, which was a man-to-man oath. And let me just read it. It's not in your notes, not on the, the board tonight or on the screen. In Genesis chapter 21, verse 22 through 32, it says, At that time Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of the army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now therefore swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with the descendants of or my descendants, or with my posterity. But as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me in the land where you sojourn. And Abraham said, Abraham said, I will swear. Then Abraham reproved Abimelech about the well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. So what happened, they were making this oath, and then Abraham comes to him and he said, I have a little issue here. Before we make this oath, there's a well that somebody has compromised. And, he, and Abimelech says, I don't know who's done it. I, nobody has told me anything, but I will find out. So Abraham, he says, Abimelech says, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me, and I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen, and he gave them to Abimelech, and the two men made a covenant. And Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flock apart, and Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? And he said, These seven ewe lambs you will take from my hand, that is, that this may be a witness for me that I dug this well. Therefore the place was called Beersheba, because they both swore an oath so that they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. So they were making a covenant that they were going to be at peace. And so he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. These seven lambs are going to be the promise that's given unto it. And you can see Jacob at one time where he makes an oath, and he takes seven stones, I think it was seven stones, and he makes an altar right there to be a promise, to be a marker, to show that we have made this oath. If you go and buy a house, whenever you walk into the bank or wherever, there is a monument. It's about 100 pages that you're now going to sign every single page and put your initials on and all kinds of things. That's the monument that you are going to, that your word's good, their word's good, everything. The one, one of those pages that I like the most whenever you signed it for signing for a house, the one I like the most is when you signed that all of those things that you have just signed, that is your real name. Right. <laughs> okay. You know the reason why it's 100 pages? 
It used to be a handshake. Now because people have made promises and have not followed through on those promises. So now we have a page that somebody has signed their name and it hasn't been the real name somewhere along the way. So now we have to have one of those contracts that say, this signature that you have just signed is your signature. And there's a number of those that are in there. Because when they're just handing them to you. Hannah in 1 Samuel, she makes an oath to God. The first one was man to man, this one is with God. And she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look at the affliction of your servant herself and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Wow. That's quite a promise, isn't it? She's, she, she's not able to have children. She's not able to have children. And she goes to the altar every year. Her husband takes her, and, and this time she goes and she spends a little bit more time. And the priest sees her and he thinks that she's drunk, but she, she's just crying. She's weeping because she's never had children. And she makes this vow. God, if you give me a child, I will give him back to you. She wanted to be a mother. The next year she's pregnant. And she gives the child over who becomes one of the great prophets. She fulfilled her part of that promise. She was a woman of her word. Now if you go to the New Testament, Paul told the Corinthians, and if you read this, and you have to read it a few times, in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he was planning a trip to go and see them. He said, I'm going to go to... It's a Macedonia, Macedonia, and uh, on the way there, I'm going to stop, and I'm going to see you, and then on the way back from Macedonia, I'm going to see you. It ends up that he doesn't go. So he's, he's kind of called into question. There's people in, in Corinth that saying, well, but he said he was going to come, but he doesn't come. And, and if you go on and you read in chapter 2, he tells the reason why. He tells the reason why. And I'll get into that in a few minutes. Jesus himself was placed under an oath in Matthew chapter 26. It says, but Jesus remained silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Isn't that interesting? He tells Jesus, I, I charge you under oath by the living God. Who was the living God? Right there in front of him. Tell us if you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You have said so, Jesus replied. But I say to all of you, from now on, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. Today we take a stand in court. We raise our right hand and we take an oath. The President of the United States, whenever he's sworn in, he takes an oath. In weddings, they, they make a vow before each other and also before God, that they're going to fulfill their side. But are you a person that would say one thing and do the other? If you would come to me and you would tell me that my wife has just cursed you out, I'd say, no, she didn't. You know the reason why? We've been together, for married for 26 years, and I've known her for about 28 years. I've never heard her cuss. I don't think she's going to start now. She's probably thought about it a couple times with me. 
but I've never heard her cuss. I've never heard her get really upset and yell at people. So if you would come and tell me that, I know my wife's character. And I know that's not who she is. And I would say no. Number four, let your yes be yes and your no be no. We need to be people of God and we must always speak the truth. Maybe you've heard people say, you're only as good as your, you got it, as good as your word. But can I say be kind? We should also be people of grace. And if somebody says that they're going to be there at 8 o'clock and they show up at 8.05, don't get all bent out of shape. Don't get all bent out of shape. For me, I'm, I'm very prompt, and I like to, you know, if I say let's leave at 8 o'clock, that means that we have our shoes on, we're in the car, and we're at least in the driveway heading somewhere. You say that, you know, to my family, let's leave at 8 o'clock, that means they're getting up off the couch and going and finding their shoes so we can get in the car to drive. I give them grace for those times. For some, we make jokes about it when people end up being late. And we know those in our life, as I said before, who are always late. In James chapter 5, verse 12, he tells us the same thing. But above all things, my brethren, swear not neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by any other oath. But let your yea be yea and your nay nay, lest you fall into condemnation. So Paul's issue was that he was going to go to Corinth, and he ends up not going. And this is what it says. It says, because I was sure of this, I wanted to come to you first so that you might have second experience of grace. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and come back to you from Macedonia and have you send me on my way to Judea. Was I vacillating when I wanted to do this? Do I make my plans according to the flesh? ready to say yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? In other words, he's saying, am I that kind of person that would say one thing and do another? As surely as God is faithful, our word to you has not been yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim among you, Silvanus and Timothy and I, was not yes and no, but in him is always yes. For all the promises of God find their yes in him. So what was the problem? Or what was the problem? And he tells them in chapter 2, 1 through 4, For I made up my mind not to make another painful visit to you. For if I cause you pain, who is there to make me glad but the one whom I have pained? For I wrote as I did, so that when I came, I might not suffer pain from those who should have made me rejoice. For I felt sure of all of you that my joy would be joy, be joy of you all. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. And so he writes him a letter, and this is before texting and cell phones and smartphones and all that kind of stuff and emails. And so you have to remember there's some time that has gone on. And he says, basically, I didn't come to you because I knew that it would be so painful. There was an issue that had taken place. And Paul said, I didn't want to bring that back up. I didn't want you to be in sorrow. So I decided not to come. And, he's, and I guess they were questioning him about his character. 
And he says, it's not that it's yes and no. He says, no, my yes is yes and my no is no, but this is the reason why I didn't come. And sometimes there's reasons why we're not able to fulfill a contract. I take care of the benevolence in the church, and there's times when people will come in, and, and if they, they come in and they, they need some help benevolent-wise, I, I ask a lot of questions and to find out. And sometimes people just run into, as I say, a bump in the road. They're doing good. They're making their bills. Everything's going well. But they didn't expect to go into the hospital and have to have a surgery. And now their car is, you know, could be re repossessed or whatever it happens to be. Or they're having troubles with their utilities. It's not that they have bad character. It's just that something happened. So let's show a little bit of grace sometimes when somebody says yes and it ends up being no. Sometimes we need grace in our lives. Paul had good reason. He didn't want to make a decision flippantly, but he did it through much, much anguish and much prayer. Paul's word was good. We should have grace. We should, we should be people of grace. Get it right. And if you're not a person of your word, it marks people because they will maybe forget, or maybe forgive, but they won't forget. We know people, if I said, just think in your head, somebody that has lied to you, I think probably everybody could come up with somebody in your head that has lied to you sometime or another. Didn't tell you the truth. We don't trust them a lot of times, the next time when they come to us. So the last part, he says, anything beyond these is of evil. Anything beyond these. It's the last part of our scripture, very first scripture. The word evil here means from the evil one. From the evil one. So he's basically saying, anything beyond these is from the evil one. In other words, the devil has tempted you to do this and you fell into the sin. He's tempted you to lie. He's tempted you to give a false oath, a false vow. And you fell into that and you've now sinned against God. It's up to us to resist the temptations and not stretch the truth. The devil wants to ruin our testimony. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, it says, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's the same thing. Deliver us from the evil one and what he wants to do in our lives. In John chapter 17, verse 15, Jesus' prayer for us, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus was praying for us. He says, I don't want them to be taken out of the world. That would be easy. But whenever you fall into temptation, that God helps you. Whenever you get a thought in your mind that it's so much easier to go this direction, that you do what's right, that your character is true. The only way that we can tell the truth is with God's help. Is with God's help. And we need God to help us each and every day. Sometimes we have to pay the consequences for something maybe we didn't do. Paul in Ephesians tells us, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building of others up according to their deeds, that it may be benefit to those 
who listen. Who listen. Yeah. So it's, all, it's always up to us. And the thing is, we think that I might be able to get away with this. And sometimes we did. Sometimes we did. Johnny, did you steal that candy? Nope. Because he's already eaten it. Where's the evidence? It's gone. He got away with it. But the thing is, is God always knows and he always sees. And one day we will stand and we will give an account to what we have said, what we have done, how we've treated others. If we've made an oath and made a promise that we didn't keep. I've heard people back when we had the uh, times when the Lord was predicted to come. That people said, oh, the Lord's coming back. And they would go and they would buy expensive cars and boats. And they said, I'm going to leave the devil with all my bills. And then he doesn't come. The Lord didn't come. It really showed their Christian character because these were people who said that they were Christians. We have to be very careful about those things that we say. To let your yes be yes and your no be no. That people understand that you're a person of character. That they can see that inside of you. That they can see that whenever you make an oath, you make a promise, a vow, a commitment. That you're a person that's going to fulfill that. Because Jesus said, he goes, don't make a vow. Let your word be up here, not down here. That if you made that promise, that you fulfill that promise. That you make that oath, you fulfill that oath. That you allow the Holy Spirit to also come and lead you and guide you in that. Like I said, sometimes it's easier just to lie or skip around it or make a false oath. But we will have to pay for that. Christians should always tell the truth. Christians should always tell the truth. And when they do, God will be pleased. God will be pleased. Because the thing is, is I don't answer to anybody else when I get to heaven. But I will answer to God. And the words that I give, the things that I do, those are the things that Jesus is trying to teach in this character-building message that he has for us. The Sermon on the Mount, to help us to understand. And as I said, this is one that was a character-builder that it shows who you really are. Do you say, are you who you really say that you are? And that's what we should ask ourselves. Is your yes, yes, and is your no, no? So that when it comes down to it, that you don't have to make an oath. Now, please, if you go out of here and you go and buy a car, don't say, well, Pastor Paul told me I don't have to sign this contract. No. <laughs> You're not going to get a car, I can tell you that. Because they don't know who Pastor Paul is, and neither, neither do they care who Pastor Paul is. Sometimes we have to fulfill the things that the world wants us to do. But keep your word. Make your payments. If you've made that oath, if you've made an oath that you're going to come and help somebody, go and help somebody. If you've made an oath, God is right there. He's the third person that you bring into that. So as a Christian, let your yes be yes and let your no be no. Why don't you stand with me tonight and let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for 
this great message that Jesus has given unto the disciples and those that are around. He's trying to help them. Trying to tell them that character is so important. And I pray that you would help us to see that. Father, the promises that we make, let us keep those promises. When we say yes, that it's yes. If we say no, then it's no. Help us to be seen. Help us to be heard as Christians. And I pray that you would just minister. Father, if there's any here tonight that are dealing with some things that as I was sharing tonight that they need to go out of here and take care of. Maybe they've made a promise or maybe they've made an oath or a vow that they haven't kept. I pray, let the Holy Spirit just give them a gentle nudge. I'm not here to convict. But Father, I pray that they would make things right. Father, that they wouldn't struggle in their mind anymore about it. Because that's what the devil wants to do. Father, if they've lied, maybe to go back to the person that they've lied to and correct that. Make it right. Takes character. And I pray that you would help us to be people of character who love you, that others see that inside of us. Father, I pray tonight that you would just always help us to know that you are watching, even though maybe others aren't, and that we should always say yes and yes and no and no. Father, I pray a blessing now over my friends. Pray that you would help us as we leave, as we go, that, Father, that we can share with others the love of Jesus Christ that you would minister to our hearts in Jesus' name. Everyone said, God bless you. Have a good night.